Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. I'm your host, JR, and with me today, I have a Michigan man, and I have Eric Boggs, the OHIO podcast host. I'm sorry, Derek. I have Derek McCarty from Victor's Nation. Um, I said Michigan man, and then I was like, Ohio man? Not, no, that's not a thing. So, <laughs> sorry. I reverted straight to podcast from there. So. <laughs> but hey, I'm going to give these guys a minute to introduce themselves. We tell you where you, they can find your podcast at, uh, and then we'll go from there. So, Eric, you want to start us off? Sure, absolutely. Eric Boggs from the OHIO podcast. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, if you want, do you want to listen to the audio version? We, we're everywhere. Just look us up on the Ohio Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, etc. We're on Facebook at the Ohio Podcast. You can find us on the X at the Ohio Pod. All right, very good. Derek, you want to go? Uh, yeah, so Derek McCarty, I'm with the Victor's Nation podcast. Um, you can find us on YouTube at the Victor's Nation. Uh, follow us on Twitter um, or X, I guess, would be the more appropriate terminology to uh, to follow us there. Um, find us on Facebook. Join the, the group, the Victor's Nation on Facebook. Um, and also visit our website, www.thevictorsnation.com. Now, do you have a trademark on the... <laughs> 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 we we're, we're we're going after that. We're we're, we're gonna see it. where we can get. Gotcha. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, before we get into it, just want to remind you, we are brought to you by Big Banter Sports, BigBanterSports.com. All of our podcasts represented today are actually brought to you by Big Banter Sports. So check out BigBanterSports.com for all your Big Ten media needs. And then also, if you're watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe. We appreciate that. If you are listening on podcasts, please go to wherever like you can rate us or follow us or subscribe to us. Uh, it helps That helps us out. We appreciate that. Uh, and that makes make sure you get episodes every single time we have them drop. All right, guys, let's get into this. So we are going to start a little heavy on Ohio State and Michigan first because obviously we have an Ohio State fan and a Michigan fan here with us. What we're going to talk about first is the pressure on Ohio State and Michigan fans slash players, probably focus more on fans right now. So I just want you guys to kind of talk about what is the pressure that the fans and maybe some of the players are feeling right now uh, in this whole situation. Derek, why don't you go first? Yeah, so for for Michigan, you know, it, it's been uh, really the the 2000s and the 2010s uh, were pretty much dominated by Ohio State. And so when it comes to the players and the fans, um, this is the first group of Michigan players that uh, have flipped the script on that. So J.J. McCarthy has not lost to Ohio State. Donovan Edwards has not lost to Ohio State. Um, the, the culture that the players brought to this program has been a culture that really brought a high level of toughness into the game. Um, a a smash mouth style of, of football to the game that, um, it's really fun to watch and it, it might be boring, uh, to some people. Uh, some people might have thought that Michigan beating Penn State by running the ball every single play in the second half was was boring, but that's kind of a, a toughness identity. So when it comes to the the players, um, th- this is what they this is what they train all year for. That this is the game on the schedule. You you had a bunch of players come back last year that could have been drafted, that could be in the NFL. Blake Corm said it after the game uh, the other day that or last week after Penn State. He didn't come back for, for the stats. He didn't come back for the touchdowns. He came back for the team. Uh, he came back because he he felt like there was unfinished business. That unfinished business, 
we're where we need to be going into this game at 10 and all, or at uh, 11 and all, but unfinished business starts with Ohio state. This is the, the game that was circled on the schedule. So um, I, I think it's a, it's the, the biggest thing of the season right now. And um, for the, for the fan base, um, I mean, for both fan bases, uh, I, I don't want to be the fan base that loses. Um, I, I think either way, probably embed everybody's best interest to just kind of decompress after uh saturday and and don't get too caught up in social media or anything uh but it's always a big game for uh for fans it's it's the game it's 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 back uh, i feel like maybe it lost a little juice for a little bit but but now it's back and uh, michigan fans are pretty excited and hopeful that we'll see three straight coming here one of our ohio state fans detman uh he says i blame dan campbell <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Eric, you have a number one fan, uh, Dylan Kuhn. Oh my gosh, Eric, I'm the biggest <laughs> fan. <laughs> Appreciate you guys both being here. Um, Eric, you want to talk about Ohio State for the fans, for the players, stuff like that. What does this game this year mean for them? Checks in the mail, Dylan. Checks in the mail, buddy. Or at least some more cigar. We'll get you some more cigars. Um, no, this, you know, you know, Derek mentioned that, you know, Blake Corum came back for this game. Um, the three captains on this team for Ohio State, Xavier Johnson, Tommy Eichenberg, Kate Stover, all could have went to the NFL last year or at least graduated in Xavier Johnson's instance. But he decided to come back for uh, his six year of eligibility being a super senior. And all three of them have talked about the reason why they came back was because they didn't want to leave on two straight losses to the team up north. Yeah. And that is a feeling that resonates with this fan base. Like we are, we are frothy right now. Like this is, this is a riled up fan base. This is an angry fan base for many different reasons. But the biggest being is the last two years, we have got our rear ends handed to us by a team that the experts said weren't as good as us. And I'll say this, Ohio state is built to compete for national championships. But I, I have been saying it for a couple years, and I'm not the one who originated this, who came up with this. People much smarter than me, uh, and I just stole it and counted it as my own. But Michigan is built to beat us, and it's true. And Derek laid it out on the uh, laid it out perfectly for everybody. They have a toughness identity, and that starts up front with their offensive line. That offensive line has kicked our butts two years in a row. And that's got to stop this Saturday. And if it doesn't, then you're going to see a fan base turn their attention to Columbus, Ohio, and the offices of the head coach over at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, because this is unacceptable to this fan base. Ryan Day said it himself when he was named as head coach when he replaced Urban Meyer. My first job as head coach of Ohio State is to beat the team up north. My second part, my second job is to beat every team after that. That was the standard he agreed to. And it's the standard the last couple of years he's not lived up to. And that has to end this Saturday. And so there is a lot of um, there's a lot of build up rage that could turn into a tremendous amount of joy and excitement and you name it if Ohio State can pull out the victory this Saturday. It's going to be a great game. 
So obviously a big topic of conversation is, uh, you know, the huge scandal that is going on with everything else. And I don't know if we want to get into, you know, did it happen? And is the NCAA being fair? I think there's a lot of good points being made on both sides. I think that, you know, there's also delusion on both sides, <laughs> um, to be fair. But uh, I do think that, you know, from from an outsider looking in, and Derek, you can kind of speak to this, from an outsider looking in, I feel like guys like Blake Corum, especially J.J. McCarthy after his past two games, are really trying to make this name for themselves to say, listen, it was nothing to do with the sign stealing. We're, we are this good. We are this tough. Like, this, you know, yes, Penn State was a prove-it game, um, but it almost feels like you know, this is the game. This is the game that's like, okay, if Michigan wins this game, it's like, all right, you know, obviously the NCAA won't forget about it, but fans are going to be like, I mean, they won. Everything's the same. They still beat Ohio State. They beat them the past two years. Like, it, it really was Jim Harbaugh restructuring the coaching staff, that kind of stuff. Uh, do you think that that's there in the minds of the players and also maybe a little bit in the fans, Derek? Um, A, a little bit. Uh, So... When it comes to the players, I think that it's the the culture that this team has has really built up the last couple of years. So um, I, I think the COVID year was a get in or get out of this program because we're gonna we're gonna outwork everybody and we're gonna be more physical than everybody. And if you're not okay with that, then hit the transfer portal and go someplace else. They had some talented players that hit the transfer portal after that year, and the culture that the the team um, took on then was really that's when Michigan versus everybody uh, really originated as the the culture of the team in that it it didn't matter because if you go back to 2020, you know, a, a lot of Michigan fans will say that season didn't count, right? Um, but it did count um, and it just was a bad year. And, and it was a, a year where it was really, really tough to to, to move forward is really, really tough for a, a program that had high expectations to come in and lose to, to the teams that they were losing to the way they did. We almost, that was before Rutgers started to develop a strong identity and we, Michigan almost lost to Rutgers that year. That was the, the low of the program. And then Michigan versus everybody was the identity that, that they brought on. So at that point in time, the entire Michigan fan base was ready to fire Jim Harbaugh. Um, that, that was what everybody wanted to do. Um, the, the players there, there was no, nothing positive coming out about the players in the program, uh, at that point in time. So the, in 2020 is when the culture that they now really embody started to, to develop. And I think that there's no way that for a bunch of 18 to 23 year old kids, grown men, um, there's no way that this doesn't distract them at some capacity, right? Last week a handful of players were getting grilled by the NCAA, which resulted in uh, somebody saying something that led to one of the coaches being fired. Like there is no way that from burger gate before the season started to sign gate and all of the stuff that's going on, that it doesn't create some sort of a distraction for the players that that's a lot to put on an 18 to 23 year old. But I think that they absolutely feel like, they have everything to prove going into this game now. They 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 know that no matter what they do, people are going to put asterisks on whatever they did no matter what. So if they win, they're cheaters. If they lose, they couldn't win because they're cheaters. So you know what? 
you just threw a chip on a shoulder of somebody that maybe didn't need another chip on their shoulder. And I think that that's what the team's going to come out. And if nothing else, you're going to see them put everything on the line. Like think back to after the Penn state game, Blake Corum split, split forehead and blood running down his face. That, that embodies what the Michigan football program is right now. Yeah, Detman says uh, can bring them together, and I agree. I feel like, you know, there's a lot of talk about how this can be distracting to the team, but it also can bring them together if, you know, coached and brought up the right way and the leadership is there in the right way. Eric, do you have a comment on that or thoughts about the Ohio State players regarding, you know, the the cheating scandal stuff, things like that? Players aren't going to say anything in, in Columbus. Um, they've been, I'm sure, schooled to keep their mouths shut on that. Um, there's no need to put any more bulletin board material up. By the way, I don't think this game needs any more chips. I mean, if you if you're looking for motivation beyond the fact that you're playing your hated rival, then you're kind of a pussy. I mean, really, this is this is all this is the game, Derek. Like, I mean, I mean, uh, 360 days out of the year, we're probably best friends. But for five, you know, this week going into this game, <laughs> I want to punch your face. I mean, that's just how it goes. Like, right? you know what I mean? Like, you don't need that. And so if you're if you think that that's going to be extra motivation for them, I disagree completely. The motivation will come when when you get punched in the face on the field. And if if you're an athlete, if you're a if you're a champion, then you respond to that in a positive way by defeating your opponent on the field. And you guys have done that two years in a row. Okay. And as far as the whole narrative of the cheating scandal, that's not going to change one way or the other, but I'll say this pressure. There is more pressure on that team up North to win, because if they don't, that gets ratcheted up from what happened the last two years by more. So everybody else, not just Ohio state fans. So you know, it'll never go be put to rest. You're right. But if you lose, you better believe that a lot of people are going to go. And that's why you won. You know what I mean? So whether that is or it isn't, you know, to me, I kind of like say it like this. I've been kind of quiet on it. I, you know, hate the player, not the game. You know, I kind of say, hey, if they did it and got away with it for two years, you be better. You know what I mean? You got to be better. So. We apparently this year we figured out how to be better. So we'll see. <laughs> uh, Eric, you, you, your number one fan again is asking um, the folks over at the Boiler Express are wondering if Columbus is afraid of the letter M. Yeah, we exit out. We're so afraid of it. We just <laughs> put that red tape on there. Uh, yeah. And then Dylan is, is very offended by your language. So <laughs> <laughs> rightfully so. <laughs> Yeah, Dylan's afraid of the letter A in program. Yeah. yeah. Program. Program. Yeah. All right. Well, let's look at the coaches. All right. So we've talked about the players and we talked about the team and that kind of stuff. Um, I think that there's also a lot to talk here about the coaches. Obviously, both are kind of attacking this from different ways, right? Ryan is Ryan Day is looking at possibly his third loss in a row to uh to, to Michigan and whether that's cheating, whatever it is, to Ohio State fans, that's not acceptable. Uh it doesn't matter. You know, to them, they still think, hey, you need to win. You need to make this happen, especially this year when there's an interim coach. 
coaching and not the actual head coach. Uh, and then also for Michigan, you know, it's not, it's less about the game for Jim Harbaugh and more about what's going to happen in the future. You know, there's a lot of rumblings about a possible show cause and stuff like that. I've only heard that from one person, so I'm not even sure how credible that is. Uh, but it does seem to be you know, at, at least possible in that direction. So there's a lot going on on both sides here and possibilities of different things happening. Um, Eric, why don't we start with you? Just speak toward Ryan Day's job security and what kind of impact this game will have on that. Ryan Day's going nowhere, regardless of what happens Saturday. Um, athletic director Gene Smith is retiring in the month of June. There is absolutely zero chance he fires he fires Ryan Day on his way out okay so there will be a lot of pressure on the new athletic director whoever that might become if you have a coach who's 0 and 3 uh in the last 3 years or 1 and 3 overall and 0 and 3 in the last 3 years to get it done but he's not the only one that would be on the hot seat JR Jim Knowles was brought in to fix this defense. And last year in the two biggest games at the end of the year, that defense looked awful. And so if, if we go into Saturday and Corum just runs the ball down our throat again, and JJ looks like a Heisman trophy winning quarterback, you best believe that there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jim Knowles. on going, Hey, you went, you were awesome for 11 games. You get to the, the last game and you, you pooped yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of pressure on these on these coaches at Ohio State. Yeah, no, I think so. I think you make a good point about Jim Knowles too, because even if Ohio State does have a top five defense, it's like you know what have you done for me lately? What have you done in the biggest games of the season? And um, Ohio State fans not known for their forgiveness, uh, no. I would say. So, uh, Derek. So obviously, like I said, it's not really about the game so much about kind of like the scandal and things like that. And I can't imagine that Michigan would fire. Jim Harbaugh. Um, but how, how are the how are you and kind of the fan base feeling about the possibility of Jim Harbaugh's future with Michigan? I, I think I think we just got to wait and see what keeps happening. Um, to me, I, I think, and I, I know the two of you are Ohio State fans, so you, so you might not look at it from the same perspective. But if you try and read between the lines here, um, that there are people with vested interests in Jim Harbaugh not coaching college football. Um, and those people run conferences in college football. Those people run the NCAA. Those people run TV networks, uh, that air games. Um, and I think you can say Jim Harbaugh brought it on himself because he has been very pro athletes, uh, all the way through. Um, he was a proponent of NIL long before, uh, other people were proponents of NIL. He was a proponent of the transfer portal long before people were proponents of the transfer portal. And then this year, he came out and gave almost an entire press conference uh, one week about how the NCAA is a basically a dying organization. And it's about time that uh, if coaches, conferences, um, the NCAA and TV networks are going to be pulling billions of dollars off of these kids playing, it's time that they share some of the revenue with them. Um, so I think that at Michigan... Um, it, it depends how how much the sta- uh, how much the university fights for them. Uh, because every time that these contract uh, the contract extension talk heats up, guess what? At the end, uh, something unprecedented happens again uh, towards Jim Harbaugh. Whether it's from the Big Ten, whether it's from the NCAA expediting their investigation, which, by the way, 
I don't have a problem with the NCAA speeding up an investigation. They're notoriously slow in how they go about doing everything. So do whatever you need to do, but I don't foresee unprecedented things stopping uh, when it comes to Jim Harbaugh, unless he backs off his stance. And if you guys know anything about Jim Harbaugh, he is as hard-headed as they come. He will not back down from something that that he believes in. So um, I would love Jim Harbaugh to coach at Michigan forever. Jim Harbaugh is my my favorite football coach, uh, That and that is at any level. I'm a diehard San Francisco 49ers fan for uh, my NFL team. So I saw him come in and instantly take a team that was a perennial three to six win team and instantly take it to the NFC championship game for three straight years. Um, so I've seen what he can do as a football coach. Now I know he's quirky. Um, the media dislikes him. Uh, he rubs a lot of people the, lo- the wrong way, except for the people that are inside of his organization. Um, he elevates and, and lifts up his coaching staff. He elevates and lifts up his players. Um, he deflects and deflects and deflects any criticism from hitting those guys, and he will absorb it all. So I hope for me, and I think a lot of the Michigan base, and I think there's a lot of people at the university that want to extend him, that want him to be there. I, I think we got to wait and see what 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 comes of all of these investigations that are that are going on. And I I personally don't feel like the NCAA is going to back off, um, and I, I think it's going to get pretty messy. Uh, I think it's going to turn into a pissing match uh, where a bunch of stuff gets aired out that happens in college football that everyone just says, hey, don't ask, don't tell. Like We we know that the NCAA has a lot of rules that are really stupid and really vague and really difficult to follow and just do your own thing. I, I think that if the NCAA keeps going after Arbod, there's a chance that stuff could get aired out that is just really sloppy and makes the NCAA look bad, but that's not going to change the fact that they're probably going to keep going after them. So it's hard to say. Yeah. I talked about the revenue sharing from the beginning. Um, That comment, when I first heard it from Harbaugh, I thought to myself, uh, I agree with him. I do think that the players need to have some revenue sharing. I'm glad that a coach decided to speak up about it. Um, I wish it was a coach I liked more. But, <laughs> uh, but I, but I do respect him for bringing that up because I do think it was something that needed to be brought up. Um, however, like, I, when I look at Jim Harbaugh and his job situation, I see it far more likely that, and I'm not saying this is the likely thing to happen, just the more likely thing uh, in the scenario of if he does leave, it's far less likely that Michigan moves on from him. It's far more likely that Jim Harbaugh says the NCAA is coming after me. You know, I'm missing half of my season because they're coming after me for A, B, and C, D. Uh, he feels like it's unfair, those kind of things. And he says, you know what, I can go back to the NFL or, or you know, I can, I, I and kind of do my own thing, have less of these politics around me. Um, and so I feel like it's less likely that, you know, Jim Harbaugh, the, the Michigan does anything to him and more right. likely I, that he just says, let's move on from here because yeah. this is getting ridiculous. I, I, I agree. Um, I agree that that would be the, I, I don't think Michigan would part with Harbaugh. I think he, if anything, he would say to hell with this. I want to coach football. Yeah. And um, so, like I said, just wait it out. This thing is far from done. I feel like there's going to be a lot more to come. So wait, wait until we have facts. 
do want to bring up one more point for you, Eric, because uh, Detman brought it up. He said, Ryan Day loses. He's 56-7. and seven. If he loses, you cannot find anyone to replicate that. Um, how sure, big... Sure how, I can. <laughs> His name's Urban Meyer. <laughs> he did better really, than that. Would they really go back to Urban Meyer, Eric? No. Well, I, they, they would if Ryan Day were to leave before the bowl game. I think well, he would. I think he, I think he would get asked to come back and coach for the bowl game, and I think he would do it. You think they would ask him before Tress? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, tr- yeah, yeah. Tress is Tress is yeah. He, that that ship sailed. Yeah, yeah definitely. It, it would be Urban, and I think I think Urban would do it. I do. Yeah, yeah. I just I think looking at this off season, if there is a possibility of both Michigan and Ohio State both having open coaching positions, like. We thought this season was crazy with all the scandal stuff going on and Ohio State Michigan fighting. That would be even crazier to have the off season part of it looking at it and saying Ohio State is hiring, Michigan is hiring, they're both going at it. Who are they going to hire? Um, and that whole situation. So all right, guys, let's break down some games. Okay. We got some games to look at here. It's rivalry week. We have Ohio State and Michigan. So we've talked a lot about what is kind of around this game, but we want to talk about what is in the actual game. I want to get you guys score predictions. Um, I'm gonna reference every team's trophy. So Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan doesn't have like an official trophy. I do think, you know, like this is kind of their trophy. A <laughs> Bingo. Little bit. There you um, go. That's it. <laughs> that is right? the trophy. Yeah. Uh-huh. So uh, you got, you got the Paul Bunyan axe and the heroes trophy for all these other teams. And it's like Michigan, Ohio state are saying, Nope, we're playing for the big 10 championship trophy um, in this one. So um, <laughs> let, let's start with you, Eric. What are some of your general thoughts going into this game? I think it's going to be very close. Um, I think what scares me is that this game is played in Ann Arbor. Um, I do think that there is a, a home field advantage there. Um, I think that there's this game is going to boil down for Ohio State for two things. Number one, how how well this offensive line can block on their defensive line. If we can give Kyle McCord time, given our weapons, given the running game that has uh, we've had the last three, four weeks, We have a chance. If our offensive line resorts back to the way they played the first half of the season and and Kyle's got no time, we're going to lose this football game. That's the first thing we have to look at. Number two, red zone. Um, We've been kicking a lot of field goals in the red zone lately. And we need, if you're going to win this game, you're going to have to find a way to punch the football in. I think those are two keys to this victory. You look at the the stats and and I've got them pulled up and I was going to reference some of them. Um, and we might save some of that, Derek, for our shows. Um, yeah. They're very close on a lot of stats. And it, but Michigan has they're they're ahead a little bit on a few. And Ohio State's actually a, a little bit ahead on a few. And they kind of even each other out. And usually when that happens, it boils down to turnovers. Mm-hmm. And I believe Michigan is plus 12 in turnovers this year. And we are even Steven in turnovers. Big advantage to the team up north right there. We got to protect Kyle McCord and he cannot, cannot turn the football over. If that happens, we've got no shot. So my prediction you know, I run Ohio State podcast, so I'm not going to go against the Buckeyes. I'm going to say Ohio State 24, that team up north 23, and mm. a, a classic. Oh, it'll be a classic for uh, for reasons, even if it's not on the field. So, um, 
Derek, what are your thoughts on this one and uh, score prediction? Yeah, so this is one of those games, and you know it, it, it's probably funny for for all of us here, being Michigan and Ohio State fans, um, that all year there's all of this talk about the AP poll and who should be where and the the early college football playoff rankings, who gets put where, and none of that matters at all. <laughs> uh, none of it, Matt. Nothing that happens before this game really matters. Both teams, uh, whether it looked dominating or ugly at times, whether the conversation has been around what JJ McCarthy looks like or what Kyle McCord looks like, whether it's been around what the offensive lines look like or what the running backs look like. It doesn't matter. Both teams are undefeated coming into the game and the winner of this game is likely winning the trophy that you just brought up, right? There's a conference championship game after that, but there's a, a, a clear gap between Michigan and Ohio state and then maybe Penn State a little bit behind them, and then everybody else. Even if there's the occasional close game, it's it's college football. Things are going to get competitive. But this game now, I I, I agree with Eric. This is going to be for people that love football. I think this is going to be one of the funnest football games, uh, one of the funnest college football games that people are going to watch in a long time. Um, I feel like other games in recent years that have been exciting college football games have been high scoring college football games. I don't think we're in for that. I think we're in for a, a grinded out smash mouth game. I think both quarterbacks are likely going to struggle because both defensive lines are really good. I think that Michigan's defense line is going to have a little bit of an advantage because of what Eric's talking about. Um, Typically, typically tackles struggle in uh, loud environments because edge rushers have a little bit of an advantage there. Um, Tackles likely can't hear the snap count most of the time, and they also can't have their head inside watching the ball where edge rushers do. So that's why you see tackles struggle sometimes in those big, loud environments. And that is slight advantage to to the Michigan D-line that Ohio State's defense line is not going to have going into the game. But Eric, you were talking about how Michigan built, how Ohio State was built to win national championships and Michigan built their program to beat Ohio State. I think Ohio State kind of audibled and, and, and built it right back at Michigan the last couple of years. And I, I think for, for you probably are closer to this, Eric, than, than what I am. But when I've heard noise about Ohio State, it's been Kyle McCord is not meeting the standards of what an Ohio state quarterback is supposed to look like. Some of those explosives that have been nonstop since urban Meyer landed at Ohio state up until basically this year. Um, I, I, I think that part of that is the adjustment to make sure that Ohio state can, can play smash mouth football. I think that it was Ryan day's commitment to being a tough team. Right. Sure. Um, no, so right. I, I think, yeah, so so I think we're I think we're in for a hell of a football game. I, I think that if if there's advantage Michigan, it's that the game is being played in Ann Arbor. If there's advantage Ohio State, it's the fact that Jim Harbaugh is not the head coach of Michigan in this football game. Um, that is a, a disadvantage for Michigan when your head football coach is one of the best coaches in all of football at any level um, and is not coaching that game that's going to bring a little bit of a a disadvantage for what you would normally have managing the game and coaching on the field. Um, But my, my prediction, I'm going to go 24, 20 Michigan. 
tight game coming down to coming down to the end. Derek, this is why I respect you because you chose a close score and you said, you know what? These are both good defenses and we're going to go with it. I've seen some Michigan fans choosing like 45 to 17. I've seen I... them choosing like, you know, 56 to like three or something like that. Maybe not that drastic, but it's like Ohio State hasn't given up more than 17 points once this season. You know, I... yes, I, yes, Michigan, you know, obviously scored a lot of points the last two seasons. But I think you're naive if you believe that this Ohio State defense, and I, I, I'm not being a homer at all when I say this. I, I truly believe this is the sentiment of most of college football, uh, smart college football people. I think this Ohio State defense is nothing like the past defenses we've no, seen. They they make you earn it. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it, I, it's the same. It's the same. It's the same for Derek's team. They yeah. make you earn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Detman also brought up something I was going to bring up. Uh, obviously, Ohio State fans saying meat chicken. Uh, but yeah, is, special teams. Is, is, that is absolutely that was, right. That was the exact thing I was going to bring up because it doesn't show on the stat sheet, but Ohio State's special teams has been struggling all year. Ohio State is one of the only teams in the nation who has a special teams coordinator. Obviously, Michigan does too. Um, you would think that they have a toddler running the special teams sometimes. I mean, they've like almost run out the play clock just getting the players on the field. Like, uh, it, it, it's, it's, honestly embarrassing um, that, you know, Ohio State has mismanaged their special teams to the point that they have. And I could see it being the difference. I could see Michigan maybe not taking back a, a punt for a touchdown, but flipping the field with a really good return. Or, you know, the punter just decides to run with it again when the punt was never even called or, you know, a, a bad snap that is done for a fake or something like that again. Um, I just think that Michigan is more disciplined uh, on special teams and making sure the right thing happens. So as much as, you know, I look at the turnovers and I say, yeah, that's a big thing. I almost have to say special teams is is bigger than that, at least for Ohio State. Um, sure. and, and for Michigan, too, what? Well, like two punts inside the two-yard line last game? Um, I forget that punter's name, but, dude, that was awesome. I mean, he's a really, really good punter to be able to make that happen. So uh, we'll see what happens. But I think special teams, I think Detman's exactly right, is going to be a huge part of this. So, yeah. Uh, my score prediction, you actually stole it from me, Derek, uh, 24, 20, I'm going to go with Ohio state. I think that, um, one thing that has been overlooked a bit is just how much Ohio state has been running the ball, uh, with stretch and motion, uh, on sweeps and things like that. And I think they're going to try and tire out the Michigan interior of their defensive line. That defense interior, that defensive line is scary. Good. Mason Graham, Chris Jenkins, Kenneth Grant. I saw somebody had Kenneth Grant on the Heisman list earlier today. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was, I, I saw that too. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily it, know that that was realistic, but <laughs> when you're nearly 350 pounds and you can move that fast, I, you know, I can't really complain. But, um, but I look at that defensive line and I say, you know, Ryan Day is going to have to scheme something up. And I, I, I think that if, what I perceive their game plan to get to, to be is to wear wear out that interior of the defensive line by having them run and then hit them with the up the up the middle runs and stuff like that. I think that could be the difference uh, that wins them this game with the offense, but we'll have to actually see it happen uh, and, and go from there. So, all right, uh, Detman did have a question for you, Derek. He asks, "What is your opinion on Valenti?" I think that's the radio host. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have one, you know, 
go people are out there being extreme because that's what that's that's where they make a living off of it uh so uh keep doing your thing man um you know if if you're making a living uh bashing bashing any particular program bashing any particular coaches um <laughs> that's why people tune in so uh my opinion is if you wouldn't have asked me that, I, I probably wouldn't have thought about Valenti one time for the rest <laughs> of the year uh, or maybe for the rest of my life. Um, so so that's my opinion is that go. it doesn't even really make its way into my life. doesn't phase me. Yeah. Uh, and then you have your friend Larry Daniels here, Eric, checking in from Mesa, Arizona. Uh, he Buddy Larry. There we go. Acoustic Larry. He plays plays music. There we go. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, Iowa at Nebraska. Nebraska is the two-point favorite in this one. They play for the Heroes Trophy. It kind of just looks like exactly what you think a trophy would look like. You know, some of these Big Ten trophies are, uh, you know, looking a little unique and stuff. But this is kind of just exactly what you think a trophy would look like. Any thoughts on this trophy, guys? That trophy is completely lame. Let's Let's get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> Nebraska versus Iowa needs to be called the children of the corn trophy. It needs to be a it. giant sickle, right? Okay. And then, and that would be awesome. And you know, the fans would love that. Okay. Children of the corn, make it happen. Well, I'm just looking like, <laughs> what if you put corn on the very top there, instead of that football, you just put like a cob of corn up there or something. I think that'd be cool. Derek, you have any yeah. thoughts? On, on the game or the trophy? The trophy. <laughs> we'll get to the game in a second. Um, <laughs> you know what? But before today, I didn't even know that that was what they played for. I would have thought that the, I would have thought that their trophy would be corn based. Uh, <laughs> it would make sense. So, it would make so, sense. So I agree. If they had the children of the tr- corn trophy, that would be way cooler. Yeah. All right. Well, your thoughts on the game, Derek? Uh, thoughts on the game and score prediction? Man, Iowa is the the absolute most boring team in the entire country that wins football games. Um, they somehow make somehow their defense or special teams finds ways to win them football games because their offense really doesn't find them very many ways to to win football games. Um, Nebraska has been a program that is cursed to playing close games and finding a way to lose those close games either on their own accord or questionable calls just tend to go against them uh at big moments in a close game so uh my guess is that that trend doesn't change i'm i'm picking nebraska to win something along the lines of like 16 to 10 (laughs) uh detman said two to nothing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but his actual score prediction is four to three. So much more sensible. <laughs> uh, Eric, what do you think? So first off, I love that they play this game on Friday. That's yeah, cool to me. me I, I actually like that a lot. Um, I would say next to our rivalry um, at the end of the year, this might be one of and what, from what I've seen and heard, maybe one of the more spirited ones between these two programs. Um, so I, I can appreciate that. I actually think Nebraska is going to win this game. Iowa kind of won. They're in, you know, Hey, we won one for Brian, the worst offensive coordinator in football, <laughs> you know? So I think there's going to be a letdown and Nebraska's playing to get in a bowl game. 
And man, I thought they were going to do it last week on the road against Wisconsin. They had all mm-hmm. the momentum in the first half, and then it just slipped away from them. And regardless of what happens in this game, I think Matt Roll's done a really good job there. I, I, I really do. I think they've got the right guy in that in that position. But I'm going to say Nebraska. Give it to me, thirteen ten. Yeah, I think that. Matt Rule has done a really good job, too. Unfortunately, it seems like every single game, there's something that happens that just completely inhibits this team, whether it's turnovers. Last week, it was kind of tackling. I mean, whatever it is, something seems to pop up for Nebraska. I think Marcus Satterfield is an absolutely awful offensive coordinator, and I think they need to get rid of him (laughs) as soon as possible. But I think that overall, you know, Nebraska kind of ruined things last year for Iowa and Purdue went to the Big Ten championship game because of that. And so I think I was going to be coming into this with some vengeance. And I think there's going to be some offense in this game, right? Okay, we're going to hit the double digits. I think Iowa wins this one 10 to 7. Uh, and, and really takes it to them. So, you know, when they get in the double digits, that's that's good. You should make you should make that nine to seven with seven being from a Touchdown and a, a, another, another uh, safety. Right? I yeah, mean, yeah. how'd you get your nine? Three field goals? Oh no, we got a touchdown and a safety. I That'd still, be the Iowa thing to do. I still go back to the South Dakota game when it was like, what was it like six to three or something like that? And it's like, oh, a bunch of field goals, and it was like, no, that was just three safeties. <laughs> In that one. Uh, yeah, Detman says, living in Nebraska and Iowa, uh, this game has turned into a nice rivalry. These two fan bases do not like each other. I agree. I, I've heard a lot of uh, fans on Twitter and stuff like that getting at it more than I thought they would. Uh, and I'm with you guys. I, I love that it's played at noon. I think that I think that's great. So, all right, let's move on to Wisconsin at Minnesota. People don't really know this, but this rivalry has 133 meetings. It's the most in the Big Ten. I didn't look it up, but I think think it's the most in all of college football they've been playing since 1890 uh so that's really really long that really really cool that one of the oldest if not the oldest rivalries in all of college football um and that means that they've had what 133 straight meetings uh if it goes all the way back to 1890 so so yeah really really cool for them they play for if i pull it up right here the Paul Bunyan axe uh so each each uh side kind of has their uh, symbol and stuff on it, and it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Derek, do you have any thoughts on this trophy? Um, you know what? I, I actually, uh, being from the Midwest, uh, being from Michigan, uh, the playing for anything Paul Bunyan related that that uh, his the the history of the Midwest uh, and the fairy tales of the Midwest uh, favor that. So I'm cool with it. It's, it's cooler. It's cooler than the Heroes Trophy. Yeah, <laughs> if only I had some corn on it. Uh, what do you think, Eric? <laughs> I love it, dude. Anything that you can like, literally take and like inflict a ton of pain on someone else, I'm all for it. Yeah, sickle, axe. Good job, guys. That one's cool. I do like it because when the players go and get it, they kind of like swing it around a little bit. I saw yeah, one year like, a guy got it, and he like he like threw it like out of steam. All like, ah! <laughs> I don't think it's sharp. I don't think no, they're don't that think dumb so. to make it sharp. But, but still, I mean, it would hurt cool. to get hit by it. I, oh, I'm yeah. sure it weighs. Oh, yeah. it, it's big. <laughs> uh, Eric, your thoughts on this game and score prediction for Wisconsin favored by two at Minnesota? 
I I really would like to see Minnesota win this game and get, and get to a bowl game, but it's not going to happen. That team is reeling, dude. They at one point last week, Jr. They had six true freshmen on the defensive side, and it wasn't because they are good. Okay, it's because they had no one left. They are just reeling. They're on their fifth string running back right now. Like, I mean, at, at this point, I don't I don't even know if if Fleck coins can. Uh, by his way out of uh, out of this game. Wisconsin's going to win this thing simply because they're getting healthy at the right time. And uh and they and they're going to they're going to want the axe, man. So, unfortunately, I don't think Minnesota's going bowling. I think Wisconsin's going to win this thing. Uh I'll say 27 to 13. Mm, interesting. Derek, what do you think? Yeah, so I, I think that Wisconsin just has a better football team. Um I I think they have a better football team regardless but uh everything eric just said uh i agree with um and when it comes to when it comes to these two teams um quite honestly these are when when it looked like jim harbaugh might be leaving michigan to potentially go to the vikings uh, a couple years ago uh, luke fickle and pj fleck were towards the top of my potential who would i want to uh to come to michigan and and coach michigan um and i think that when it comes to the coaching matchup in this game um, PJ Fleck knows a little bit better how to, how to coach in the big 10. I think Luke Fickle is going to have a little bit of that Scott Frost curve of going from the, uh, um, AAC to the, to the big 10 and, and catching up to the, there, there's a, a pretty big difference in, in talent between some of the programs here in this conference. And it's, it's, it's hard to coach your way, uh, to, to beating them, but you, you guys know, uh, Wisconsin gave you guys all, all you could handle for three quarters out of that game. I, I just think that they're a better football team right now. Um, and I think Minnesota is in a, in a tough spot. So as, as, as positive and Ted Lasso-ish that uh, PJ Fleck is, uh, I feel like Minnesota is probably going to win. I'm, I'm going to say 30 to 17. Everybody's thinking of Ted Lasso now that Jim Harbaugh said that in his press conference. <laughs> I don't know if he watches Ted Lasso. Uh, that'd be pretty cool he, if he does. He, he does. He does. Yeah. Uh, it's his favorite show. He's probably watched like three TV shows in his life, uh, but Ted Lasso is definitely his favorite I, one. I still remember when he was suspended the first time, he was like, I discovered YouTube TV. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. everybody knows what that is, dude. Uh, <laughs> you're just a football coach and you live and die football. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're you're spot on, Eric. I think if this game was played two weeks ago, I think that, you know, it I'd be, be choosing different. Minnesota. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think that Wisconsin had some injuries back then with Braylon Allen, obviously, after the Ohio State game. Uh, Tanner Morkai didn't come back until this week, and even Tanner Mordecai now is still uh, hobbling around a little bit. Hunter Waller, I don't know his status for this game, but he did leave the Wisconsin game early uh, last, uh, what was it, Saturday. Um, so there's just a lot of injuries piling up for, uh, with, or there's, there's a lot of injuries coming back for Wisconsin and the injuries are piling up for Minnesota. Uh, like you said, they played a lot of, you know, freshmen stuff like that in the Ohio state game. I'm just not confident in those guys. I think that, you know, this was a season where yes, PJ Fleck got his win over Iowa and that's a huge accomplishment. Good for him. But ultimately I think Wisconsin's going to be too much. I do think Minnesota is going to give him a game senior night home game. They're going to be able to play hard, but I think Wisconsin wins this one 21 to 17. So all right, let's move on to the Northwestern at Illinois. Illinois is favored by six in this one. Northwestern Illinois play for the Land of Lincoln trophy. 
Um, it's a hat. It looks like. Uh, Eric, any thoughts on this one? What in the cat hair did they take the the Monopoly hat and put it on a piece of wood and think that that's worth playing for? No. Okay, let me give you a, a trophy worth playing for in the state of Illinois. The gun that killed Lincoln. Get that thing, okay? That is what you should play for right there. If you could get that piece of Americana history and put that in a trophy, now you're talking. What's a hat? Come on. Let's get Booth's gun, man. <laughs> Especially if you're making it about Lincoln. Uh, Derek, what do exactly. you think? So um, I, I like the spirit of it. I'm uh, kind of a, a little bit of a a, a history nerd. Um, I, I accidentally minored in history in college because I liked the hours that those classes were offered. So all of my elective <laughs> classes, I took history classes. And, uh, minored. Yes. and I then mess, I and messed then around into, and got this minor. <laughs> yeah. So then when I went into my final, my final semester, my advisor was like, you know, if you take another history class, it'll get a minor in history. I was like, all right, I don't know what I'll ever do with that, but Cool. One um, day so I, I'm going to be on the Big Ten huddle. There's yeah. going to be a trophy, and I'm going to be able to talk about that. Nice job, uh, Eric. Way to go, buddy. So, and but you know what? There couldn't be two more perfect football programs to have a trophy that's a hat than Illinois and Northwestern. I mean, Illinois had. Don't get me wrong. Illinois had it, its time where uh, its football program was was pretty good. But I mean, in general, right now go play for a hat. I'm all for it. Uh, Detman says monopoly hat on some wood laugh. Yes. I feel the same way uh, there. Detman. It's a pretty interesting one to say the least. Um, Derek in this game, Illinois is favored by six Northwestern's kind of reeling. Illinois is trying to be bowl eligible here, uh, but it is at Illinois. And obviously the, I think this is the larger spread. Penn state is higher, but this is the second largest spread. Of the uh, of the weekend in the Big Ten, what are your thoughts in this game, Derek? Yeah, so uh, you know, first off, Northwestern uh, is one of the one of the good storylines in in the Big Ten. One of the one of the good surprises, and um, Northwestern's a program that is um, it, it's hard to dislike them. Even when when Pat Fitzgerald was there, uh, it, it, they were a program that I always had a hard time finding something to to dislike about them. Um, because they, they're one of those schools where they, they don't have the ability to recruit that well. Uh, but somehow they were always one of the toughest teams on the field. Like they, they, they were fundamentally sound. They didn't make a ton of mistakes. They were smart. Uh, and they've had their ebbs and flows. I mean, they've for like the last decade, they've been like, like 11 and one or like, or one or eight. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, they've, they've had their ebbs and flows, uh, but uh, it, it seems like they came together uh, this year. I haven't, I haven't, uh, honestly, I haven't really cared to watch them a, a ton uh, in my free time. Um, and on the flip side, I, I think that Brett Bielema is a good coach down, down in Illinois. And uh, Illinois was one of the big surprises last year to, to be a good program. Um, and this year they're, they're still fighting and climbing to get there, but you know, I'm I'm going for the underdog, underdog here. I'm I'm gonna go with with Northwestern. Uh, I, I think that they're gonna pull something out, and I'm gonna say that it's gonna end up being thirty-one twenty-three. Wow, scoring fest for the Big Ten West 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> Eric, what do you think? First off, let's give let's give our our props, man. I remember having the wild chat on our show, and and I said to them, if he wins four games, you guys better make him your head coach because that roster is not a four team roster. Mm-hmm. How about six? Yep. And bull eligible already, man. And they did the right thing. They pulled the interim. They made him the full time head coach. What a phenomenal job! Listen, it. He's probably going to be the Big Ten Coach of the Year. I, I I don't know how you don't give it to him, yeah. based off of the fact that he had a a two win roster and he's taken that and they've become bowl eligible. All that to be said, they're going to lose by fourteen to Illinois this <laughs> week, twenty eight to fourteen. Illinois is Illinois is not a bad football team. They're better than their record. Okay. And I think they're the better football team here today. 28-14, Illinois. I'm almost right there with you. I have 28-17, Illinois. I think John Paddock is really good uh, for for Illinois. Obviously not like really, really good in comparison to college football. But for Illinois, I think that he's the right option. I think he has that veteran presence that they need kind of back there. Uh, They're just a young team. And and I think Luke Altmaier has a bright future. And I think he'll be a skilled, talented quarterback. Uh, But I think, you know, just to end the year, it was was good timing to give it to John Paddock and kind of let him handle things and write the ship and get through the rest of the year. And I think he's going to get a bowl eligible. I think this Illinois defense with Johnny Newton uh, is good enough that they'll be able to stop Northwestern. Um, and I, I think Northwestern is a very inspired football team, but I think they were their goal was to be bowl eligible. I think they got there. I'm not saying they won't be inspired anymore, but I just think that you know they kind of hit their goal. They kind of hit that thing they're, they're going for, um, and they made it happen. And I do agree with you, Eric. I think David Braun is the coach of the year. Uh, it's kind of hard because Kirk Ferentz really has – done a phenomenal job with you know everything that's gone on with his team losing yeah, all the players give, they you lost gotta, you gotta give that guy credit when his own son is the worst coordinator in all of college football and his own son and got fired this year too and he, st- and he still won the west man exactly like so i mean i i look at all of that and i say man kirk Ferentz probably deserves the award too but when you had people picking Northwestern to win one, maybe one game. two games, yeah. um, and he goes out there and he becomes bowl eligible, uh, to me, you, and he earns himself the, you know, not not even did he earn himself an interview. Like Harlan Barnett's going to get an interview from Michigan State. Uh, he earned the job in the season, and that's really really cool. Yeah. So, so yeah. All right. Indiana at Purdue. Purdue is a three-point favorite. Uh, typically, when you see uh, the the home team be a three-point favorite, you know this is kind of like Vegas telling us that you know they feel like it's a pretty even game because they typically give about three points to the home team in these games. They play for the old oaken bucket. It's a bucket. Nice. Uh, so, Derek, what are your thoughts on the bucket? Does anyone know the historical relevance of why they play for in Old Oaken Bucket? Uh, Established um, in 1925. You know, I, I don't, I don't even know what they, they play <laughs> for. Got nothing for I, you, I have man. nothing. Like, I don't know. I've got, I've got nothing on this one. <laughs> even our history minor doesn't have anything on this right. one. <laughs> what do you think, Eric? <laughs> You're watching on podcast. Eric has assumed the Purdue Ohio State. This helmet. is what a trophy should look like, not a bucket. <laughs> Come on, man. Okay, how about this? How about they play? How about they play for Buckethead? Remember Buckethead 
when he tried to replace Slash on uh, on the old uh, Guns and Roses, and he like put like a chicken bucket, turn around and put that on top of his head. There you go. Let's get let's get Colonel Sanders' original chicken bucket and play for that thing. That would be more relevant than in this bucket thing. I don't know, man. That's terrible. Give me a break. Get out of here. It's dumb. There is a lot of history on this that Wikipedia has, but it's a lot to try and read during the uh, during the show. So uh, if you want history on the Oaken Bucket, go to Wikipedia, my most trusted source. <laughs> I, I just I just glanced at it and it did not look very interesting. <laughs> what's a what's a Hoosier, by the way? Hey, my dog's name was Hoosier because we found him really? in Indiana. <laughs> is it is it is it a Hoosier? Someone who lives in Indiana? That's like that's literally the definition. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> all my in-laws are Hoosiers, yeah. so uh, they they take great pride in their in their. How Hoosier about um? Ness. How about we do this here? Because we we can come up with something better. Um, who's the guy saying "Free Fallen"? Um, Tom Petty. Tom Petty, and he from Indiana. Wasn't Tom Petty from Indiana? Maybe they uh, can. Play- let's see if Wikipedia has it. Tom. Maybe they <laughs> can play for Tom Petty's old guitar. How about that? That would be uh, cool. No, Gainesville, Florida. It says. Oh, okay. Well, then. Oh, well, that's to- his birthplace, though. How about John Cougar Mellencamp? He's from Indiana. Yeah. John Cougar. I'm making you do some research. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Uh, Seymour, Indiana. Yes. There you go. John Cougar Mellencamp play for one of his guitars. Make that your trophy, Indiana. There you go. <laughs> Just put a guitar up there. Big old, top of the a big old guitar. Can't you see guys going to get the guitar? And having no idea how to play it and act like they're playing it. Yeah. Uh, Detman agrees with you. It was Tom Petty. So that must have just been his birthplace. Maybe he moved okay. to Indiana uh, and was there. And then uh, Larry Daniels, he was suggesting it before we even got to it. So there if I go. wasn't doing all that research, we could have actually listened to the audience. Who knows things <laughs> better than we do. Um, Eric, Indiana, Purdue, pretty much two of the three or maybe even two, the two worst teams in the big 10 this season. Uh, what are your thoughts going into this game? I actually think Purdue has got a pretty good future ahead of them. I think they got the right head coach. He's if you look, if you followed recruiting, he's doing a heck of a job recruiting. Um, Indiana, on the other hand, I don't, Tom Allen is going to make a very good defensive coordinator. <laughs> I can't even listen to the guy talk when he does his press. I think we've done a really good job this week. We really I mean, he's lost his voice so bad. Like he's yeah. got terrible. I, I, I feel bad for, for, the, for him. I think he's a good guy. I do. I think, he oh, actually, yeah. I think he, you know, he did a good job for a while, but I think this is his swan song next year, guys. Um, I'm going to say Purdue wins this game. Uh, boy, uh, boilers by a billion. There you go, Dylan. <laughs> I got him here it, for you, buddy. Give it to Dylan. Uh, Derek, what do you think? So, you know, I, I agree with Eric. I, I think that Purdue, I, I think Purdue has a, a roster capable of being better than, uh, than what they've shown this year. And, um, they, they were a good program last year, obviously going to the big 10 championship game. Um, and they lost some of the, the key players from that team and they lost their head coach who very well could end up being the, uh, AP coach of the year this year. Right. So, um, but they've got talent. They've, they've got some talented players on their roster. They, they, 
they can play pretty hard. They, they're a decent team. Indiana, you know, I, I think that it's just one of those years for, for Indiana where they're not that good of a football team right now. Um, and I, I don't feel like they have the same potential talent on that roster, like what Purdue has. And, um, I, I think not, maybe not by a billion, but I'll go, I'll go Purdue 21, 14. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. Purdue, you know, obviously the injuries are not helping. I think that they do have a talented roster. I just think that they don't have the depth. Um, and obviously the O-line being impacted as much as they have been this season. If you lose your – I mean, we saw it with Boston College last year, right? When you start losing your O-line and, and you're going deep into that, it just that, – that's a bad recipe for everybody on your team. Uh, Hudson Card, I don't know if he's playing this week. I heard that he can, but he still, still might not. So we'll see what happens with that, but – but um, I think Indiana is is tired of uh, you know the, losing to Purdue and stuff like that. Things didn't go the way they wanted last year, um, and I think that Tom Allen has got this team to play up. Uh, here and there, and I do think this is going to be Tom Allen's last song. I think that he's probably going to uh, to to be fired, uh, but I think he gets fired after the win. I think Indiana's going to win this one, twenty-seven to twenty-four. Brendan Soares will get fired. That's yeah. harsh. Well, when you stink, you stink. So what? So what you're saying is he'll be walking out going, "Well, I'm free, <laughs> free falling." There you go. See, he'll get a note in the mail from a uh, USC saying, "Hey, we just fired Alex Grinch. Will you come here and be our defensive coordinator?" That would be a huge upgrade, dude. Right <laughs> to go from Indiana's coach to USC. All right, let's see. We got. Uh, where's my thing? Maryland is favored by one point over Rutgers. Uh, guys, no trophy in this game. Wah, wah, wah. Sorry. Uh, we don't have any trophy to grade in this one. But, uh, you know, and they're not playing for the Big Ten Championship trophy like Ohio State and Michigan are. But uh, Maryland obviously is favored by one. They're on the road. So uh, still a close one here. I think Rutgers was impressive during the first part of the season. But they've kind of fallen off here in the tougher part of their schedule. But, I mean, that's to be expected when you play Ohio State, Iowa, um and Penn State all in a row like that. That's just a really, really tough stretch for them to make. Um, I think Maryland found their legs a little bit last week against Michigan, but I don't know if that lasts. I think that they are a team who gets up for the big games at the end of the season to possibly get those upsets. We saw it happen last year against Ohio State. We saw it happen uh, where they played really inspired this year. Um, I don't think we see that again. I think Rutgers is going to come back, win this one 24-20. Eric, what do you think? Sneaky good game here, guys. Like yes. for real, this is like. And who would have ever thought that our uh, former Big East ACC compadres here uh, would would we would be saying that they're both already. I believe they're both bowl eligible. Aren't, aren't they both six and five? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they're both six and five. Um, just 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 in case the turtleheads are watching this, I'm going to go Rutgers twenty seven. <laughs> Maryland 24 in a good game. Shiano with a little trickaroonie at the end of the game. Pull something out of the hat there to get the win. I don't think they're watching it. I heard uh, Jordan's not my biggest fan anymore. So I uh, oh, I heard, on, I heard on. on Victor's Nation he muted me on Twitter. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. The guy, the guy who talks about how no one can take a joke muted you? 
he muted me because I tweet so much about Michigan and all that stuff. Uh, so you, so yeah. Jordan, hey you, Jordan, if you're watching this, you're soft, man. That's <laughs> soft. Come on. He, he owes me a uh, goodie package. They, he owes. Hey, listen, them <laughs> boys owe a lot. Of people those people package. owe a lot of people goodie packages this year, brother. <laughs> yeah, they made bets with everybody, and they lost just about all of them. So. <laughs> About five in a row, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what they've got? What one win or two wins? One or two wins in the? No, they were five and zero. Oh. They lost. Then, they lost five in a row. And, or those oh lost, yeah, but they have they three wins in the conference. In if they're six, if they're six and five, they have three wins in the conference. So, uh, Derek, you you talked to Jordan and the Turtle Heads last week, so we'll we'll consider you our Maryland expert on this show. Uh, what are your thoughts? So. Um, I'm very familiar with Maryland's offense coordinator, Josh Gaddis, because he was Michigan's offense coordinator, uh, for a while. And, um, he, he probably looked like a better offensive coordinator last week against Michigan than he ever did when he was at Michigan <laughs> than he ever did when he was at Miami, uh, before he ended up at Maryland. And it's crazy. Cause he won the Broyles, Broyles award at Michigan too. <laughs> Right. And that was very, a, a very undeserved uh, assistant coach of the year award um, because that was very much Jim Harbaugh's football team winning, despite the fact that there was no consistency of anything taking place on offense at all. Um, and Rutgers, I think Greg Shannon's got a, a, a good, tough program there. They're, they're a tough team to play. They, they play a tough style of football to prepare for in one week. Um, when you're a program like Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State, um, they and they they gave Ohio State they gave you guys a a, a pretty good scare into the third quarter. Um, yeah, if it wasn't, yeah, because it was it, it was yeah when the when the turnover happened, but yeah, the pick thing. six. Shiano, Shihano and Ryan Day, like there's a there's a mutual respect there between those two oh, yeah. shiano knows how to get under ryan day's skin he's good at it from yeah. every ohio state like insider guy i listen to that knows them both they say that there's like a love-hate relationship there mm-hmm. like they respect they each really other is. a lot and they really like each other but at the same time it's like dude i hate facing you <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but you know i i think ruckers is ruckers is probably the you know we talked about northwestern being kind of the the story of the year in the big 10 right the, the unexpected story of the year but I think where Rutgers is at right now, to me, that's probably the the most impressive turnaround of any Big Ten program from where Rutgers was at. Uh, think back to like 2018, 2019, what Rutgers was and what Greg Shano has turned them around to. Right now, they're a tough program. And I, I think you're going to see the opposite end of Maryland than what you saw last week. What you saw last week was a game that honestly should have been an absolute blowout um, one of the toughest things to do when you play a sport is think that you have it in the bag and let off the gas. And all of a sudden you got to try and figure out how to step back on the gas. That's really challenging. And that's absolutely what happened last week. I think the players packed it in. They started thinking about Ohio state before halftime. And before you know it, they, they were in a football game. I'm, I'm going with Rutgers this week. I, I like the matchup. I, I like the physicality. I like what Rutgers can do on the ground. I like the way that they can control the clock. Um, uh, and, I don't trust Maryland's coaching to to be able to show up multiple weeks in the Big Ten. That's the inconsistency that we've seen over the years. So 
Um, I'm going to go Rutgers. Uh, I'm going to go 31-20. Surprisingly, uh, Rutgers gave Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State all a pretty good game going into the into the fourth quarter. Uh, what was it? 14 to, or not the end of the fourth quarter at halftime. I think it was 14 to seven for Michigan, seven to nine Rutgers was up against Ohio state and then 10 to six for Penn state. Uh, and Maryland had, you know, gave a good game to Michigan and Ohio state both. Um, and then Penn state spanked them after they, uh, fired their offensive coordinator. Penn Penn state always spanks Maryland for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. I think that was after they, fired their offense court or was it before? No, it was before. Sorry. Before the game against Michigan. Um, so yeah, it's definitely an interesting game. And I think, I think both these teams are, uh, perennial West teams that just kind of make noise happen. So, all right, guys, let's get to our last, Oh, we got a couple comments. Make sure, uh, Jackson says, what up big 10 nation. I've been feeling Rutgers will win this one. Hey, I'm feeling the same way, Jackson. Appreciate you, man. All right, let's get to Penn state. Uh, the highest spread of the weekend for the Big Ten. They play for the Land Grant, Land Grant Trophy. Yeah. Uh, this was the only picture I could find that did not have a Penn State player in it. I tried to find pictures that didn't have a certain team carrying it, to <laughs> be fair. But um, it's been a lot yeah. of Penn State. <laughs> yeah. did, they, did they have pictures back when Michigan State won that? <laughs> Shoot. I, I think they won it with Kenneth Walker, didn't they? Oh, I'm sure they did. Yeah, yeah I think they won it that year. But uh, but yeah. So any thought? Or I'll bring it back up here. Any thoughts on this trophy, guys? It's kind of blurry. <laughs> you know, I've been sitting here trying to think of what we could give them because there's really there there's nothing. They're not in the same state. They're not connected states. You know, like I guess maybe we could just give them like second place ribbons. <laughs> Since, <laughs> since they're both second-rate programs compared to ours, how about that? Was that a low blow? Kind of, but it, it was also it, it a little funny. A well-placed, a well-placed low blow. So uh, silver, like silver ribbons. There you go. Yeah, you know, yeah silver bron- ribbons. bronze. You know, dueling silver ribbons. Or yeah. <laughs> how bad would that be? You get the silver, and the loser gets the bronze. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was I was thinking like something part, like Coliseum these, related, you know, the Spartan and the Nittany well, Lion. Here's here's the thing: when USC comes in, Michigan and State and USC should be playing for the the uh, Trojan Horse or Helena Troy every year. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys, that one's awesome. That just and then and then you got Penn State and you got Washington. They're both cats, you know. Yep. So you get you have something to do with that. Like they Maybe get, we they, should just make they the get divisions. collars. <laughs> Maybe we should just make the divisions by your mascot. So, like, we have the cat division, and we have the, you know, I guess what a wolf? No, Wolverine wouldn't be in the cat division. Uh, but they're, but yeah, they're they're yeah. I, it's like I, a beast. I'm, I'm sorry, Derek. Animal. I'm not gonna go there. Yeah. I said I would play nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think that's a that's a funny one. All right, let's get to this game. Uh, Derek, your thoughts on Penn State playing Michigan State? Uh, wow us with your analysis. <laughs> so, man, uh, Michigan State is a very bad football team right now. Uh, they are a program that is in a. They're, they're going to be struggling for at least the next couple of years, and um, 
there there's not a lot of good things that I have to say. And and not even negatively against Michigan State. They're they're just in a bad spot. Both both Michigan and Ohio State, I feel like could have scored a hundred points on them if we would have just uh gone out there to to do it. I mean you guys had like what, thirty thirty by half time? Seven or thirty four. And we ended up winning thirty eight to three, and I think we I think we had thirty five at halftime, and then oh, we yeah. just we just took kick everybody out. We scored a kick the field right. goal. That was it. So right. thirty five to three. They're a bad football team. I think I don't think a twenty point spread's enough for this game. Um, I think Penn State, like you know, say what you want about James Franklin. Uh, he he certainly is really good at um beating bad teams and he struggles to to beat good teams but most coaches struggle to beat good teams there there's only a couple coaches in all of college football that don't struggle to beat good teams and they're the upper echelon of college football coaches i think james franklin is going to be magnified uh when oregon washington and usc come into the big 10 and uh he plays more than just two good teams every year uh to lose to but uh, this, he, he's also really good at scoring garbage touchdowns to really inflate the <laughs> scores of games. Uh, I, I think Penn State's going to be big. Uh, I, I think you're going to see something, something similar to what, what you saw with the, the Michigan game and the Ohio State game, where it's, it's going to be something along the lines of like 45 to 17. Detman says Penn State, but they don't cover. Good teams win, great teams cover. So Detman, uh, <laughs> Feels that way. I don't know. I feel like 20, 20 is a little small. I have them winning 41 to 6, a Penn State winning. I just, I don't know. I feel like Michigan State is just a wounded animal right now. And I mean, I guess Penn State could kind of be throwing it in a bit, but I don't know. James Franklin seems like the kind of guy that would get his team to still be playing in this one. Uh, and then Jackson uh, says, I'm excited about there being a second Big Ten game on Black Friday, although next year I hope the schedule makers make either Washington, Oregon, or Wisconsin, Minnesota the second game on Black Friday. I do like that this game is on Black Friday at night. Um, I do wish it was a better game, uh, but obviously this you know will get people to watch it and stuff like that. <laughs> is it, so. Isn't this one being played in, in Detroit in the Dome? Yeah. 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 That's yeah, kind of cool, field. too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's kind of neat. Uh, give me thirty-one-six Penn State. I think they cover. I don't think it's by a ton, but I do think they cover. Um, and just to reiterate what Derek said about you know Michigan State, the one thing I would I would caution is if they get the right coach who's not afraid to nail the transfer portal, they can turn it around a little quicker. I mean, look at Louisville. Right. Like that Louisville's built on the transfer portal this year. Now, I don't know how many of those guys are going to graduate and then they're going to have an issue. And Michigan State right. has done that before, you know, yep. so, it, you know, and then it worked one time and it failed miserably yeah. the next time. But yeah. um, depends on who they bring in. If they bring in somebody who's going to be like, hey, I'm all about the transfer portal. Maybe if they bring in a program builder, probably you're right. If they keep, keep who they got. They're gonna. They're. I don't know that they ever get back. Yeah, Harlan Barnett's not the answer. I don't think he's the answer. No, um, James Franklin. I mean, I guess if you like vanilla ice cream. Well, but let's talk about this for a second, okay? With Penn State, and I know we've gone over, but just get you guys' yeah. quick thoughts on this. Uh, we've gone over an hour, but just your quick thoughts on this: Is Penn State like? Are they really anything much more than in this 12-team playoffs, kind of a 
a team that will sneak into the playoffs most years, uh, but miss out, you know, here and there as well. I mean, is this program ever, is James Franklin bringing this program to their ceiling? No, someone can take, no, someone can, someone can take it higher. Penn state was legit dudes. Like it's been a long time. I mean, let's be honest, you know, they were with Paterno. Yeah. You know, before things got uh, haywire there, okay, and that's a nice Yeah, I was going to say, they also had some other stuff going on that people didn't know about. But But Penn State is, to me, Penn State's a lot like Tennessee. They're they're kind of sleeping giants that could be very relevant if the right person is there to push the right buttons, you know? Um, I don't know. Like, I don't know who you would go get that could do that right now. Like all, I don't know why someone who's like an upper echelon person coach would go there is what I'm saying, because there's some disadvantages. It's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It's really hard to get there. Like, even if you're from, you know, you can't just fly in. Okay. to Penn state, you know, so you got to fly and then drive several hours to get there. And I, I don't know, man, like, it's got to be the right guy who could do it. Maybe Elaine Kiffin could stir things up at Penn State. You know, I'm just trying to think. Like, yeah. you know, someone like Urban Meyer is not going to go there. Yeah, right. You know, Jimbo Fisher. N- n- no. <laughs> if they did that, that would be just stupid. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that would be uh, dumb. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, it, I, I echo what you're saying, Eric. I, th- I think that the the program of Penn State, you know, that State College, that stadium, that that's like that that's got to be. I've never been. That's one of the atmospheres that I want to go see yeah, in too. person um, because it looks absolutely wild. Uh, so, you know, they could absolutely be a, a sleeping giant. I don't think they are with James Franklin. I, and I don't think that with James Franklin, I don't think that I think they get more respect right now. <laughs> than what they earned because of what I was talking about earlier. They play two good teams a year and they lose to them. Um, well, they've actually beat Michigan a couple times in that stretch. but They beat they beat they, Ohio State once. James Franklin yeah. beat us once. Yeah. They won the Big yeah. Ten one time. That, yeah. that mm-hmm. was the, the year that they, Michigan beat them like 40 to like 13 or something like that. And then they came back and uh, ended up winning the Big Ten that year. Um, yeah. And that was that was a fluke though because you, you guys lost to Purdue that year, right? You lost to them, and was that the year that you lost to Purdue? The night game with no. Randall Moore? No, uh, that was 18. The, that was, we went to the playoff, and they didn't. <laughs> they beat us, won the Big Ten, and they still took Ohio State in the playoff yeah. over Penn State. Yeah. yeah. Um. So it didn't, yeah, which I remember saying we don't deserve to go there, and then we get destroyed 31 nothing by Clemson. Like, I knew we weren't a top-four team that year. Um. Yeah. I, I just feel like the right it, they have to get the right guy there and it'll take off. But if they, but I think they're also scared to do that because what if they, they don't? Can also be Nebraska. Yeah. Bingo. Right. You got it. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now, I I, I don't. I, I think that when you throw a couple a couple more top teams on their schedule every year, um, I, I think that they're not really in that top twelve mix. I, I think that the the respect that they get of being a team that just kind of hangs around right now and doesn't quite get there gets knocked down a couple notches. I, I think when they're playing Washington, if they're playing Oregon, if they're playing USC, 
uh, if they're playing Ohio State, if they're playing Michigan. Uh, I, I think that they're um, it, consistently looking at probably three, three, four losses. I, I think they're they're kind of well, like what Notre Dame turns up being when well, Notre Dame has down. What's years. interesting about their schedule is I don't think they'll ever play Michigan and Ohio State in the same year again. Probably not. Right. We'll have to. Yeah, we'll have to so, wait and see. They're not going to so give them that little of travel. Right. So they'll get like they'll get like USC and Michigan one year. Then they'll get yeah. Oregon and Ohio State the next year. Right. So I could see them continuing this ten and two thing over and over. Nine and three. And and trying to squeak in as the twelfth team every single year and probably losing that first game and getting kicked out. Like at some point, and it seems like it's coming relatively quickly, JR, the fan base is getting fed up with ten and two. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and it's going to get more difficult with the Pac-12 teams here. Sorry, Derek, go ahead. Right, and n- now that we're on this topic a little bit, I know we're going over a little bit, Jr. And you're gonna uh, that you want to button this up here pretty quick. But uh, one thing that we didn't talk about uh, on here, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later this week too, Eric, is um, this. We talked about the stakes for the team and, and the fans and everything. Um, I feel like this is the last year that the game is going to have this high of stakes because it, it's a playoff game. It's an elimination game, uh, essentially. And yeah. once the, the, uh, well, once the big 10 bumps up to 18 teams, um, th- there's a chance that Michigan, Ohio state could play in the regular season and in a big 10 conference championship game. And, uh, oftentimes with, especially when, Michigan, Ohio State are coming into this game either undefeated or with one loss. Um, likely, both teams are going to be in the playoffs anyways. So I feel yeah. like that that's another big thing is that this is almost the this is likely the last time that it's it, it's all going on the line. And if someone loses, good luck letting everything fall just the right way to try and sneak in to be one of those top four teams. One of the reasons why I hate the NFL is because you play your rival twice every year in your division, regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, I, and then maybe I, a third I hate time in the playoffs. I hate that. And so, yeah, it's going to feel very much more like the NFL, but here's the scenario that the loser of this game Saturday needs to root for. We need to root for Georgia to be Alabama, giving Alabama two losses. You need to root for, um, Washington winning out and beating Oregon and giving them two losses. You need to root for Texas losing, getting a second loss, and you need to root for um, Louisville beating Florida State. If those four things happen, we're both going to get in. And then me in the championship. Yeah, you think I, I have a I can see Ohio State getting benefit of the doubt uh, better because of the Notre Dame game um, being on their non-conference schedule than Michigan for their non-conference schedule. Um, I, I feel like I've always kind of thought this for the 14 playoff. I've always thought that if you don't win your conference that you shouldn't get in. So my thought is if Michigan loses, I don't think that even if the things fall the right way, that they should be rewarded and still get into the playoffs. And I can respect that. I can respect that. But I'm telling you right now, you're one of the top four teams if that scenario happens, oh, guaranteed. I, I, I agree. Uh, we're, we're certainly the the two best defenses in, in college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State certainly are two of the top four teams. Uh, I didn't want to bring this up before we get out of here because I think Sonny makes a good point. I think if Aller hits its potential, we can see the P- the PSU ceiling is. I was saying this at the beginning of the year. I didn't think this was Penn State's year. I thought it was next year. <clears throat> I know they lose a couple guys like o- Olu Fashano, and I know they're going to lose a, you know, a few guys on defense. Um, 
But I, I really feel like Aller this season was not going to hit his true potential. First year starter, Penn State doesn't have a great track record of, you know, developing guys really, really quick. Um, I think that if Drew Aller is going to be that dude who really takes Penn State to the next level, it's going to take him a year. And unfortunately, all the chips didn't fall where they needed to fall with Aller being in his second year um, to, to really have that development to make what happened happen. You guys have any thoughts on Aller? My only thing is I think he degre- I think he got a little bit worse as the season went on. And, and I think that's I, – I really believe that's one of the reasons why they fired the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. is Drew Aller's – Drew Aller did not get better this season like like he needed to. Because yeah. um, he is – he was – he was – some of his clips in high school, he was much better than what he's played this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah what do you I, think? I, I think that – his performance in in big games, his performance when he plays tough defenses, his performance when he's got uh, a pocket collapsing in his face, it, it he's almost just throwing the ball scared. Like the Ohio State game, I thought he was throwing the ball scared. The Michigan game, I thought he was throwing the ball scared. Like it's it's one of those things where I was like, man, you know, I thought this was a thought this guy was a, a five star, and I didn't see it. I I didn't see it on the field, and that doesn't. And, and maybe you're right. If if he does reach his potential of what what he was expected to be, that could certainly help elevate that level of play. Uh, because I'll, if he makes a couple plays against Michigan, if he makes a couple plays against Ohio State, Penn State very well could win both of those games, right? But he didn't, um, and there was no indication in either game uh, that I want. Like as a Michigan fan watching. Penn State, Ohio State, as a Michigan fan watching him play against Michigan, I was never, I never had the feeling that he was going to take control of the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I and that's that's the hard thing is when you don't have the running attack to make that happen. Uh, Penn State's running attack really degraded this year because of the offensive line. Uh, good right. pass protectors. Um, I wouldn't say great pass protectors, but good pass protectors. But uh, when they lost the the interior of that offensive line, I think they lost a guard like a week before the season or something like that. Uh, that really hit them hard and and made it made it tough on the the offense and really put a lot more in Drew Aller's. Uh, you know, lap than I think he was protected. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're almost at an hour and a half. You guys got any more thoughts before we get out of here? I'm tired. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks everybody for watching. Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Eric, for coming on. Hey, that rhymes. I didn't even think about that. You guys right. There we go. So, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Everybody check out Big Banter Sports, bigbantersports.com. We appreciate it. Have a good night.